Welcome to the Yana Podcast, a mental health podcast where we're talking about life, hearing stories of strength, and getting all in our feelings so that we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, Becca, and Morgan, all super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. So today we'd like to welcome our guest, Jenna Martirana. She is a graduate student at Kutztown University, pursuing a master's degree to become a school counselor. At KU, she is also the vice president of their NAMI on Campus Club, and she uses her title of Miss Liberty Bell to be an advocate for people like herself with mental health conditions. I love it. Jenna is like an all-around mental health queen. Quite literally. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> Quite literally. Jenna, you are the coolest. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. We are so happy that you're here and that you're on the podcast and that you can talk about how wonderful you are and all the awesome work that you're doing with your title and outside of your title also. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I'm Miss Liberty Bell, which is my title within the Miss America organization. And as a candidate in MAO, each candidate has a cause that they advocate for during their year, which is, for me, hashtag cure stigma. I've personally felt right. the harmful effects of stigma. So yeah, I knew as soon as I became involved that I wanted to do something to tackle that stigma that surrounds mental health. Love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. You are wonderful. I said, wear that crown. Wear that crown. Yes. <laughs> yes, queen. That is awesome. Yes, queen. <laughs> Absolutely. So we, before we get into like the nitty gritty of everything, we like to do just a little check in with everyone, see how we're doing. And I also like to ask a super important question. <laughs> and I, it's a very like deep, really serious question. <laughs> yes. And this question was, is which Disney princess do you connect with the most? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I think honestly I connect with Tinkerbell the most, even if she's yes. not a princess. Because I am only four ten. And I mean, if Tinkerbell <laughs> doesn't get enough attention, she dies. So that's kinda like me. Oh, oh my god, you are so good. That is so yes, funny. Yes, I love that. How how are you? How's like your heart today? How are you feeling? I'm good. Just ready for another week of classes to start. Hopefully some less technical difficulties than last week but you know that's just kind of how this goes take it day by day yes very very oh my gosh well thanks for sharing morgan how are you and what disney princess do you connect with the most oh goodness um i'm doing pretty good i'm also you know things are crazy but the Disney princess I connect with the most. Or a Disney character, even if it's not a princess. Like, no gender roles here. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I was always a fan of Belle, that Disney princess. Um, yeah. Up, I, I really, I don't know. I feel as if I, 
I like to see beyond uh, exterior the way she does, you know, the beast. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I think that's why I like her a lot. And she has a, I love that she has a pretty yellow dress, too. Yes, and she's gorgeous. <laughs> I also I like that. that answer because as, you know, we listened to Morgan's story on our last episode and she talks a lot about how she used to define herself through the men she was dating and or yeah. boys. And now it's showing some <laughs> growth in that, you know, she's not relying upon them. She's seen more than, you know, the facade. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> I love that. How about you, Beck? Um, I'm great. I am, like I said in the last episode, I was heading to Florida. So now I'm here and yep. it's beautiful. So I'm feeling very good. Um, and Disney princess. Well, when we first said princess, I was going to say yeah. Sleeping Beauty because I love, I love Sleeping <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, um, but also, if we're going to do Disney characters, I might say Peter Pan because I do not oh. want to grow up. <laughs> I love that. He's a homie. Mm-hmm. He is a homie. He's a good one. People forget about Peter. Mm-hmm. He's one. Of my, that's one, one of my favorite stories of all time. I love that. Yeah. All right. How about you? Um, well, I'm good. I'm hanging out. Um, straight vibing. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm super busy this week. So I'm just trying to like get everything situated and not feel super overwhelmed. So I'm really sticking to my sketch. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm back from vacation. So I'm still like riding on the, the wave, you know? Yeah. So for me, I would say the Disney character that I relate to the most, I feel like might have to be Moana. And let me tell you why. One, she's fierce and she's beautiful. Not, I don't relate to her beauty, but I relate to like her, like confidence Mm -hmm. and beauty. She's just like a natural Polynesian princess. I love that. She's also very body positive. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and she just kind of like does her own thing and goes out on, believes in herself and goes on all these adventures and I just think she's kind of a feminist and I like that about Moana excellent mm-hmm. yeah well now that we're all princesses just like <laughs> Jenna <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I wanted to kind of go back and talk with Jenna a little bit about all of these awesome things that you're doing Jenna I know that you aren't just you know you're not just a beauty queen you're not just a pageant winner or a title holder you have so much depth and you have so much to, to share and your story is powerful. You're a Peyton Hart ambassador. Right. You do a lot of stuff for NAMI and I just wanted to really elevate your story. So tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about mental health. I think my passion comes from the pain that I've had to go through with my own battle Mm -hmm. I wasn't diagnosed Mm -hmm. until my junior year of high school and looking back on my childhood I can see where a lot of the anxiety symptoms came into play at a much younger age Mm. and so struggling for that long has really fueled my passion to become a mental health advocate and to become a school counselor and help children get the help that they need so they don't suffer the way that I did wow yeah 
That's admirable. It's really admirable. I think there that we need more of that. I think like um, I mean, we definitely need more school counselors and definitely definitely school counselors <laughs> yeah. who really, you know, they can understand the pain and the, you know, the struggles that young people go through. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really look at me cutting you off this time, girl. You go. Go ahead. <laughs> I I just said I think it's really common, Jennifer. You like people who want to get in the helping profession or who want to give back, you know, like you said, they have have pain of their own that they're motivated by essentially to kind of make a difference with that pain and make it make it into something potentially really influencing or impactful for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can... And that allows you to connect with them. Yeah, on a completely. Absolutely. Different level. So, yeah, I agree with that. A lot of my classmates, when asked why we got into school counseling or counseling in general, a lot of them have their own personal experiences, especially yeah. the school counselors, that they didn't have positive experiences mm. with their school counselors. So they yeah. want to kind of create a new wave of school counselors that actually are there to help kids and not just wow. kind of brush their issues off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I remember in my abnormal psych class in college, my professor saying that 99% of people who go into just like, you know, psychology overall are going to try to figure themselves or a family member or something out, you know? For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, Lord. So I want to hear about like, start from the beginning. Like what, where did those, you know, feelings come from and when did they start? I want to hear everything. (laughs) I mean, so having been in my third year of school counseling, I have more of an in-depth knowledge of the symptoms and such that come along with mental illness. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm able to look back on my childhood and notice things that I did. I'm assuming the depression came later in life, but I can see the anxiety, the picking at my skin, the needing to have manipulatives to touch like silky ribbons things that calm me down Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I can think of those being younger and then into middle school I remember starting to picking at my skin on my scalp and stuff in middle school and high school Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until my junior year that my Spanish teacher reached out to my mom and said hey something's going on with Jenna she doesn't seem the way she used to I think you should have like take her to a therapist or something and have her checked out as that's when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety officially and so I was lucky that I had teachers that cared enough to reach out to my mom and to notice that difference the cause of depression of course everybody's different but for me I was dealing with an abusive relationship toxic home life Mm -hmm. bullying from um, people who I used to consider my friends so it kind of just culminated into that breaking point Mm. Wow, Jenna, mm. I thank you for sharing that. I have two I have two questions for you actually if you don't mind elaborating a little bit. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about the um the picking of your skin? Like what was that just like a, a constant like anxiety thing that you would do to like get your mind off of something? What was that for you? So that's something I still do quite frequently mm. now. I didn't honestly know until sometime in college maybe towards the end of college that it had a name, which is dermatillomania. And then Mm. my sophomore year of college, I actually had triclotillomania, Mm. which that's like the hair. Yes. The hair pulling like my sophomore year of college, I would get it from my seat and there'd be like a pile of hair around my chair. Oh wow! My hairdresser Mm. thought that I had layers because I pulled at the hair so much. 
Wow. And they're yeah. really not that uncommon for people with anxiety or OCD, their body focused repetitive behaviors. And mm-hmm. there's the negative stereotype that they're considered self harm when they're not. It's kind of just a way for your body to feel that it has control over something, but it's not something any of my therapists have really been willing to address. And I know it wasn't added to the DSM, which is a diagnostic manual that um, Mm -hmm. practitioners use. It wasn't added until 2013. So I think that there still isn't as much research or knowledge around it for people to address it, but it is a common thing that affects I think a significant portion of the population even it constitutes as nail biting picking at your lip picking at the skin around your nails it doesn't have to just be like for me scratching at my scalp and I, I mean I pick at my face all the time I have to confess something I'm literally sitting here right now um picking the skin off of my <laughs> cuticles and off my calf yeah because I am um, yeah like they're I actually oh my god that's interesting and honestly the tra- um there was a girl when I was in like middle I think it was like high school or middle school which I know we've already mentioned before that I'm old but we are old um so (laughs) I am like 20 years ago um (laughs) the but there was okay I'm calling it out it was 20 years ago um and she would pick her um this girl would pick her eyebrows out and you know people Mm. were like what is wrong with her whatever and like somebody mentioned to me that that's what it was that it was this anxiety thing but that was so it, it ju- I didn't even know that it only just got added to the DSM. Mm-hmm. That's that's wow. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, thank you for sharing awesome. that. Yeah, thanks for sharing <laughs> that. I just think it's important too, right, for people to understand that that is com- it's super common. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and it's it's something that needs to be discussed so that people don't feel so isolated and alone about that. So thank you for yeah for it, defining that for us, Jenna. It can be something that's embarrassing for a lot of people. For me, it's not something that I worry too much about. I have enough other anxiety symptoms that are that take precedence for me that I have to focus on coping on. But it can lead to scarring and stuff of your yeah. skin. So it's important to be able to get help. So that you don't permanently damage your skin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my other question for you is, is very actually, I guess, appropriate for what is happening now with schools being in session and a lot of students not being in school mm-hmm. um, and being at home. Like your, your teachers were the ones that really noticed a lot of your mental health symptoms and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that is, it's so important to have other people in your, you know, in your corner that you can feel safe around, Mm -hmm. not just, you know, your immediate family, because they may not notice and other people outside of that circle might. So, and you might not feel safe with your family either. Exactly. So I just think, you know, it's important to try to connect to outside, outside folks Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. can. Yeah. All right. We're we're done being all kinds of extra. Keep talking. <laughs> keep talking about your keep talking about your story. Yeah. Um, okay. So actually let my, me let me ask a question on that. So you did you not realize that there was these things going on when your teacher realized, or were you kind of just realizing it but not really understanding it? Or like, you know, did they see things that you did not? 
So I was basically known as the crying girl at school. I was Aww. kind of oh, always freak. crying. Yeah. And literally me. Literally yeah. me now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's everybody right now with quarantine. <laughs> yeah. But in school, even now, my one of my best friends is 17. So I'm able to listen to her and how they talk about mental health at school, which is still basically none. We don't have that education. We don't know why we're feeling the way we're feeling we don't know what mental illness is mm-hmm. so all I knew is that I was in pain and I didn't know how to get out of it and I didn't know that there was a name for my pain um I know as counselors we often don't like to have labels for diagnoses we think because of the stigma that that can harm mm-hmm. one's recovery but yeah. at least for me it helps me compartmentalize why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling so it doesn't just feel like oh there's something wrong with you it's because there is a diagnosis that that's why you're feeling the way you're feeling. It's not just because you're feeling that way. So that's very beneficial for me to have gotten yeah, this diagnosis, diagnoses back in high school. Right. Right. Okay. For sure. Well, keep telling I don't us. Like name it to tame it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh I like what that. Morgan, Morgan coming in <laughs> with a good, like, this, that was good, Morgan. I just slither on in with some, I know, you're some good quotes. <laughs> Morgan Hanalek's Book of Wisdom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You wise one. It's because you're young, Morgan. <laughs> young and wise. That's it. That's it. Awesome. Well, keep telling us a little bit more, Jenna, about your story. So then my senior year of high school was pretty rough, had to move houses I've lived in since I was in kindergarten, mm. dealing with loss of a serious relationship, loss of friendships, bullying still. And that all kind of culminated into I had three suicide attempts. And then I also <sighs> spent um, some time in outpatient treatment, which for me, I didn't learn too much coping skill wise that helped me. But mm. what I did finally realize is that I wasn't alone in my battle. That wow. There were kids my mm-hmm. age going through the same things I was going through, feeling the same things. And that was really yeah. a turning point for me to realize I wasn't alone and mm-hmm. nobody is alone in what they're going through. Yes. I love that. I feel like we all, yeah. all three of us, four of us on the on this podcast right now can relate to yes. that. Like in all, of our, in all of our treatment journeys. Absolutely. That's like the biggest mm-hmm. thing. I mean, you know, and hence, again, the name of our podcast, You Are Not Alone. <laughs> um, you know, once you find that you're not, you know, that you're, you're not unique, you know, you're, and and I say that in, like, when somebody first said, like, you're not unique, I was like, yes, I am. Yes, uh, I what am. the hell do you mean on my <laughs> But that, like. I'm special. My mom says yeah, so. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that you're not, like, you know, those feelings are, you know, shared with others, that other people mm-hmm. um, can relate to those feelings. And, yeah, so that's so important. I'm glad that that was something that you got from that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) And then after, after your treatment experiences, um, what did life look like after that for you, Jenna? So life after that meant that I was medicated, which was kind of one of the biggest stigmas I had internalized. I was very Mm -hmm. set on, I didn't want happy pills. I should be able to make myself happy. Mm -hmm. But now However, many years later, I graduated 2013, so seven years later, I'm able to say that there's no reason somebody with depression or any other mental illness should not be on medication because it's no different than somebody with 
asthma needing an inhaler yes. or someone with diabetes mm. needing insulin. So that kind of, I think medication isn't for everyone. As a counselor, I perfectly understand that, but I do think that it is a very beneficial tool to be utilized. Preach. Queen. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that, that, um, that whole concept is something that I feel very passionate about. You know, I speak about that a lot is that, you know, it's an illness. Mental illness is an illness, you know, and yeah. so it can be a chemical deficiency or, you know, disturbance, but, and so you need to treat it medically, but, um, you know, there are symptoms that go along with mental illness that might need to be treated temporarily, but, you know, overall, there are other aspects of mental illness that might be needed to be treated chronically. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, you know, you, you make a you make such a good um, comparison in a sense with the whole asthma yes. example. Yeah. Because asthma is obviously very, very normalized mm-hmm. and, and mental health is, is working on getting normalized <laughs> and right. people the stigma behind like, oh, you, no one's going to question an inhaler, right. but right. people will question medication. It's kind of like, Absolutely. well, what's the difference? And, and even yeah. like, go ahead, Beck. I'm just, I'm hyped. I, know, I'm, I am <laughs> so hyped. Actually, I was having this conversation last night with my mom and like, we were talking about how like one of the, cause I was saying like, why some, I think like a lot of people have trouble with why we have to differentiate between mental illness and physical illness. Why can't it just be illness? You know? And what my mom was saying is insurance. And that's a big reason oh, wow. why mm-hmm. you, why it's, um, you know, it's separated because insurance doesn't want to cover mental illness. And so 100% like, agree. yeah. And so they don't want to cover treatment. Gross. They don't want to cover medication. And I got to tell you, I just had to get my inhaler cause I have really bad asthma and it was exorbitant. The price was like, oh, off. it's insane. Yeah, you need that to breathe. You need mental health me- medication to stay alive. The same as you need an inhaler to stay alive. Mm-hmm. It's, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's unbelievable. It's like all that medication is more expensive than I don't even know others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so true. And like, even just like leaving the house, so like I have asthma, my son has asthma, like lots of random little health issues he struggles with. And we're like, Oh, does, you know, do you have your inhaler? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we, we can't like, we, we even ask our friends, like, did you bring your inhaler or mm-hmm. do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have, you know, my wife has a thyroid condition and I always say like, you know, honey, did you remember to take your medicine today? And like that kind of stuff is normal, mm-hmm. but like, God forbid someone is like talking about, yeah. you know, did you- psychotropic medication or mm-hmm. did you bring your medicine people get offended or people get upset mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's it is it's such a it's it's, it's a different or they think you're thing. an addict right you know yeah. like if you start to have a panic attack like some people need to take um anxiety medication for a panic attack and then that's like oh you're medicating you know like you're yeah or you must be weak or something right mm-hmm. right right yeah. yeah it's kind of like how like if you broke your leg everyone would be like can I sign your cast but <laughs> yeah. if you were if you were away for mental health treatment people treat you differently like they, yes. they say it's um it's not a casserole illness you know like yeah, when people have yeah. cancer or you know something everybody comes around from the neighborhood or friends or whatever and they bring casseroles and, and flowers mm-hmm. and blah blah yeah. blah 
but they run away when you're being treated Mm -hmm. for mental illness yeah or or it's like oh i'm so sorry to hear that yeah yeah Yeah. as they're slowly backing away (laughs) yeah Yeah, literally i remember when i came back from treatment everyone was just kind of like don't talk to her she'll start crying and i'm like what if my leg was broken you would not yeah exactly right oh my gosh that is listen that couldn't be more true i'm sure the four of us could have this conversation for hours probably (laughs) hours hours so back to back to our queen queen jenna (laughs) so once medication became a part of your life and you started kind of did you feel any different what did your day-to-day feel like jenna so once i was able to get on medication that worked for me because again every medication react differently to people it's not a one-size-fits-all so that journey for one can be very frustrating for people figuring out what works best for them and it does take a while to get the full effective medication. It's not like what people think that oh, you can take a pill and it'll right. just be fixed automatically. And so that important. seems to be common thought with people with mental illnesses. They want medication just so that it can be a quick fix one. Right. In reality, most cases, you should be going to therapy too because you need to talk through why you're having these feelings that you're feeling. And mm-hmm. so afterwards figuring out a therapist that worked for me was kind of a struggle mm-hmm. again similar medication you won't connect with every therapist that you meet and so it's it like took- dating exactly, <laughs> yeah, it exactly. Like dating. <laughs> so to try and find one that you can connect with because you need to be able to have a connection with a therapist otherwise you're not going to be able to open up in the way that you for should sure. to promote the treatment and the healing that you need so it took me a while to find a therapist that worked for me, but unfortunately I was only able to meet with her for a few months before transitioning to college. And at okay. that point, we weren't really sure, my mom and I, how well college was going to go for me just because of everything I'd gone through just a few months prior. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I was able to connect right away with the connect- with the counselors on campus oh, great. and be awesome. able to establish that. I was able to establish a connection with the health professionals on campus for my medication and so that helped me kind of keep myself in check during college I did struggle quite a bit my sophomore year after switching majors I think everybody who's gone through college knows how stressful it can be to figure out what you want to do supposedly for the rest of your life yes (laughs) and even for me I kind of I graduated with a degree in applied disability studies which allows me to be an advocate for people with disabilities, but then kind of switching gears to make that more wanting to be an advocate for people with mental disabilities is kind of where Mm. I then transitioned into being a school counselor. Mm. That's kind of how that all came into play. But I did struggle in college. I dealt with a lot of similar issues, I think, to what Morgan talked about in her podcast with unhealthy relationships with guys and using (laughs) kind of that as a coping skill. And Mm -hmm. I can admit that guys are usually my trigger. So <laughs> kind of just, this little girl old with 20 cats, it's fine. At least I don't have to worry about them being yeah. you know what. So <laughs> that was kind of my biggest struggle in college was like developing healthy relationships, developing healthy friendships, and figuring out who I was, which I think is kind of something everybody gets through yeah. in college. But when you have a mental illness, it can make it harder to mm-hmm. cope with when things don't go right and with life feeling Mm -hmm. like it's falling apart so 
yeah. you know, your tolerance is, is yeah, different. Exactly. That makes sense. And I think like also with a transition transition to college is like, you know, the the regular schedule, like the 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 easiest coping strategies that you might have in place when you're growing up and you're in high school, which is just like a consistent schedule, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, consistent eating yeah. schedule, all of those yeah. kinds of things, sleep. Um go out the window when you go to college, you know, like, for sure. So, um, I do want to go back and ask you a question. Um, when you talked about, uh, going to the counseling center and connecting with them, like, what was that like? Did you go right yeah, away? Good question, I think that a lot of, um, the high school students I've talked to are not really sure how to, how to do that. Connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I believe that I kind of made that right away. I was like, I want to have a counselor. Like I want to have that at least set schedule and stuff. But I do know that especially where I'm at now, it's very difficult to get into the counseling center and mm. to get those appointments because even though Millersville had five counselors, it still really wasn't an elite at that point that I went to college 2013, graduated 2018. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like now, but yeah. there just wasn't really enough help for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's a struggle we see everywhere. I know on Kutztown's campus, it's the same way. And you get about five sessions at Kutztown and that's it, which the minimum as a counselor that rec- is recommended is 12 sessions. So five really isn't anything. And if you have a serious mental illness, they automatically refer you out because they know that they Mm. don't have the skills to help you. And that really promotes the stigma that already surrounds mental illness that, oh, you're too much work. We can't deal with you type of a thing. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's tough. And and it's a shame that that's the case. I probably went through all five counselors at Millersville when I was there just because some I connect with, some I wouldn't. The ones I would connect with would go on sabbatical, so I'd have to switch to another, which, I mean, that's life, but that can be very disrupting to someone when you have, like, a connection with somebody that is there for your treatment and there to help you, and then having to switch to someone else and kind of start all over, it basically feels like. Yes. Yeah. That is really tough. That is tough. Um, so I do want to go back, um, even further and ask you about, and I don't want to focus on this too much. Um, but you did mention suicide attempts and I, you know, one of the things that we talk about, especially at the end of the podcast is, you know, knowing where to go when those, mm-hmm. when that comes up, even as a, mm-hmm. you know, as a friend. And, um, I don't want to talk cause we do talk, we have found that talking about specific specifics regarding suicide can be triggering triggering um but I do want to know like what when like were people able to help you or were you able to like how did that how did you feel supported in in that like how did how did you get through that that time in your life or those times in your life yeah (laughs) (laughs) girl it's early x not even early it's 12 33 that is usually i'm not even up yet yeah this is it's because you're on vacation yeah Ladies and gentlemen, Becca is not even in this space. So cheers, cheers to virtual podcast. Recording. Yes, thank you. Anyway, Jenna, yeah, how did you feel supported during that time by like your friends, family, community? Mm-hmm. So I had three attempts my senior year of high school, one my sophomore year of college, and my last was my junior year of college. Okay. So it'll be five years in September. That will yes. be clean suicide. So that's very exciting that's wonderful. Yeah. That is, 
I am snapping and clapping yes. for you. Yeah, yes. me too. Me too. So, kind of for me, I didn't really reach out too much to my family. I really wasn't allowed to talk about what I was going through around my mm. dad or my brother. Pretty much, only one that knew anything was my mom, and even she really didn't know. I didn't share a whole lot, honestly. A lot of my story she's probably learned just from me going and speaking at events because it's just not something you usually really talk about with your parents in most cases so mostly for me it was my friends helping me through those times Mm -hmm. talking me down and helping me get through those moments and the thing is the suicide is you don't want to die you just want the pain to end yes and so usually you're in such a dark place that you just can't see the light out. So being having a friend that's able to help you find the light at the end of the tunnel and remind you that things will get better is really one wow. of the most beneficial things for me. And I've had to do that with my own friends. So I've kind of seen the it, both sides of it. And I know mm-hmm. how hard it can be to process that and understand that they are right, that things will get better, even if it doesn't seem it in the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was really- powerful. I really like what you said about, you know, not actually wanting to die. I think that's a a major misconception in in the media and just the stigma in general. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're you're right. It's just you you can't figure out how to go on living with the pain. It just feels so unbearable. So you don't, you feel like that's your only choice. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. I think that's so important to think about. And like people think it's like a selfish act, but it's not. Oh, it's, I hate that. I hate yeah, that. It's not at all. No. Because I, that, that person genuinely from their perspective believes that that's the only way out. Yeah. Of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is language. I think plays mm-hmm. such a, such a huge part in how people even discuss things like this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the like words said, saying commit suicide. It shouldn't be that because that right. sounds like a crime. It adds yeah. to the stigma. Right. Instead of replacing that would die by suicide. Funny story. The other day, my mom was trying to kill a cricket and she tried <laughs> chewing it out of the house and it came back in. And she's like, why are you trying to commit suicide? I'm like, no. And she's like, it's a cricket. I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. matter. It does. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It does not. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that, that you is said so that. True. Yeah. <laughs> the word commit layers on blame and, you know, that somebody, you know, it's like you said, committing a crime or, um, yeah, it's died by suicide is the best way to say it or lost their battle. Like, I lost my mm-hmm. sister to suicide. And we say, like, she lost her battle to depression. Like, somebody mm-hmm. who dies of cancer, they lost their battle mm-hmm. to right. cancer. So thank you mm-hmm. for pointing that out. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think it's just kind of a thing that people don't realize. One of my professors in college, which just is related to disabilities, but I think it applies, is that people are ignorant until educated. And that's so common that we don't realize how our language promotes stigma and continues mm-hmm. to stigmatize mental illness. Yeah. And so once people kind of realize that those words aren't okay and that that's not the proper way to say it, I do notice people do change the way they talk. I'm not against calling out my professors if they say something stigmatizing. And in most Good. cases, they appreciate that because they are older. So it is the language that they grew up with. Mm, and it's course. hard to make that change. But I think it's important to especially in the classroom because I do know many of my classmates have lived experiences too so I think it just Mm -hmm. promotes more of an understanding and empathetic classroom for everybody 
Mm-hmm. Ah, look at that. I can't, I want you to be my school counselor and I'm not even. <laughs> yes, <school>. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm back to school just so you can be my counselor. Just so Jenna can be my counselor. <laughs> I got I two years that. left, so you know. Oh my gosh. Well, bless those kiddos yes. that get to be in your presence. That is awesome. So Jenna, after, so let's, where did we, we get real distracted yeah, we do. here because we're, we're real passionate yeah. ladies. And we get really into talking, and I've had about three cups of coffee already today. So, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Anyway, so keep telling us a little bit about, I guess, the rest of your journey. So, kind of how you ended up being where you are now. So, my my senior year of college, I was invited by a local director in the Miss America organization to participate in one of their competitions and I kind of had thought about joining MAO prior for a few years before this I have been involved in one of the traditions of Miss America is a parade down in Atlantic City called the shows your shoes parade and I'd had the honor of twirling in that for three years prior to this so I knew about Miss America but one of the stigmas I was internalizing was nobody would want somebody with mental illness as their title holder they wouldn't think Mm. that she'd be capable of being an advocate or being like holding her title and her role. But I learned very quickly that that wasn't the case. After my first competition, I felt immensely supported by my sister queen and then going on to winning my first title in 2018, which was Miss Red Rose City. I kind of struggled a lot with, I still struggle with imposter syndrome as many do. Mm-hmm. And I kept having nightmares that they were going to strip my crown. And my director was like, that's absolutely insane. Like, you're one of the best that we could get. Why would you think that? I'm like, it's just kind of how my brain works. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, mental illness. Jenna, can you explain just briefly what imposter syndrome is? I feel like that's a term that gets used a lot. And um, mm-hmm. I, I want our listeners to, you know, know what that means. Be educated. Yeah. <laughs> so imposter syndrome is basically when an individual can't accept the fact that they um, should have their accomplishments or that they weren't just by luck. So for me, winning a title, I think, oh, I was just lucky that I won. Not that I had the skills Mm -hmm. and the knowledge to win the title. But it's not something that is uncommon. I think about 70% of people experience imposter syndrome. Mm. And it's not so much talked about. It's more talked about now than it was. I really didn't hear the term too much until recently. And I was like, oh, immediately I was able to identify with that. It's not an actual mental illness. It's more of a psychological phenomenon that people deal with. So it's not something you'll sure. find in the DSM or something the that DSM. many many counselors might not even bring it up. But it is definitely something that keeps people from feeling like they're making a difference or that their accomplishments mean something. Mm-hmm. Wow, I bet you so many people can relate to that. Yeah, Jenna. yeah, for sure. I'm guilty. Yeah, guilty. <laughs> oh, totally, absolutely, 100%. Guilty here. Mm-hmm. I mean, even I struggle so much now. I mean, you guys know how much I try and do as Miss Liberty Bell and as an advocate. So much. And even that, I always feel like I'm not doing enough, that there has to yeah. be something else I can be doing some other way to be connecting with people and I so often compare what I'm doing with my other sister queens 
mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, they're having more opportunities to connect with others. They're having more opportunities to speak and do things like that. What can I be doing? Which is very difficult right now because each state has different guidelines. So for us, we've been, haven't really been able to do in-person events for a long time, sure. whereas other states, that's not the case. And mm-hmm. definitely something I've been struggling with over quarantine is comparing myself to what other girls are able to be doing and trying to figure out what more I could be doing as an advocate during this time. Mm. Wow. Well, Jenna, according to your Instagram, which we will all <laughs> give you every all of our listeners your handle at the end. I feel like you are an actual mental health superhero. Yes. Because I mean, I think that's Nick, but <laughs> Yes, you are everywhere. And you are doing so many good things. And I also want to know, guys, isn't it so don't you all want to be sister queens? Um like I would like I would love someone to call me a sister queen. Oh you know? my god. Me too, just for yes. the name. Just for fun. Yes. Just for fun. But I love that. But Jenna, I, I definitely think a lot of people can relate to imposter syndrome and that that feeling of just not being enough or not doing enough or not being, you know, all of these things that are happening for good. Or I don't deserve them and things mm-hmm. like that. So I yeah, think that's really I, common. I think to like add on to that also, I think it's easy. You, you do these incredible things and then the things kind of slow down for a bit and, and we sometimes lose sight of the things that we did do mm-hmm. and, and, and we try to invalidate ourselves for not doing them consistently mm-hmm. yeah. when we need to recognize like, hey, like I did this and it just because I haven't been doing a ton lately doesn't take away from what yes. I already did do. Mm-hmm. And luckily so I've been able to really connect with my sister queens around the country to kind of continue that conversation around mental health during quarantine, I started with another title holder, Miss Fort Worth from Texas, a group me chat that has close to 90 title holders from around the country that have social impact initiatives related to mental health, whether that be stigma like my own, eating disorder, suicide, etc. because mental health is such a broad term. And we've mm-hmm. been able to connect since Mental Health Awareness Month was in May, and we started a but a social media calendar that we post about every day to talk about different topics related to mental health with a social, with a uh, mental spirit week during that month to really open up the conversation around mental health. We had on Tuesday, it was twin Tuesday and you were supposed to talk about how you would open up and have difficult conversations with your friends, check in on your friends when they're struggling Mm. or Friday, we were supposed to dress like an emoji and talk about, how we can deal with those <laughs> talk about how we can deal with those hard feelings that a lot of us are going through. Mm-hmm. So to be able to make I love that. being able to connect with these girls who are advocates in their own communities and kind of share our stories. It's not uncommon for one of us to message in the group and say, Hey, I'm struggling, something's going on. Like, can you just kind of be like help boost me up right now? I need a little more support. Wow. And we're there for each other with that. We understand most of us our passions are fueled by our lived experiences. We've been in these places and we know what each other is going through. So to be able to connect with each other and support each other and help build our own, the work that we're doing in our communities by bouncing ideas off of each other, is just an incredible thing. I never would have thought that this would have been, this group would have been created out of the horrible reality that is the pandemic but I'm so grateful to have this group of girls Mm -hmm. that just want to help each other support just support each other and help each other succeed 
I love that. I just, the power that's of, really great. The power of sister queens. Yes. And the power of just peers in general, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. how important mm-hmm. that feeling is to just have that connection and that community and those people that get you and hear you and validate you and can lift you up mm-hmm. when you're down and who can like cheer for you when you are up and doing all the good things. Like that's what it's all about, man. I love that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Wow, you're amazing. (laughs) I know that just made me want to like get on my phone and like start a group chat with all my girlfriends. (laughs) Oh, right. I mean, that is just so important. And I think our listeners too, like need to understand the like the impact of that Mm -hmm. and how it's when we lift each other up and when we're there for each other and give each other this space to share when we aren't feeling our best and like opening that door for conversations, there's so much healing there mm-hmm. and safety and it just, it feels good. Yeah. Yep. 100% yeah. agree. How much do I have to pay to get into that group chat? <laughs> <laughs> You'll get way too many notifications. I like five group chats. And one there's of a my, monthly fee. I know. That's like awesome. Some people in it and my phone's just always wow. buzzing. I'm just like, because we have also since September suicide prevention month for those mm-hmm. of us who are interested yep. in that topic, we started a second group to kind of bridge that and discuss what we want to do, what activities we want to do for suicide prevention month, ways that mm-hmm. we can talk about suicide and our own experiences and make a difference via social media. So that group's been blowing up too. So, you know, just it's Amazing. great to be able to share ideas with people yeah. like that. Yeah, I just want to highlight that, what you just said, that September, which starts tomorrow. Um, <laughs> well, actually, by the time this podcast airs, it will have it started. September. Yeah, it will, be, it will be September. <laughs> but yes, September is Suicide Awareness Month. So, you know, um, listeners, if you're out there and you want to get involved in doing some, you know, awareness stuff, there's, I don't know. There's so many ways to get involved. <laughs> so many ways. Again, Becca's on vacation. Sorry. She like, doesn't even know what her name yes. is. <laughs> it is. It is fine. Yeah, but I, I we'll, we'll touch on how you guys can get involved with NAMI. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, for example, Jenna is involved with something called the Peyton Hart Project. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to have her talk a little bit about that in a minute. And there's so many other opportunities to get involved as advocates. And if you yourself have an experience um, sharing your story and elevating stories of other people during suicide prevention month, yes. um, we want to hear all of it. We want to see and hear your bravery and your stories and your resources and all that good stuff. Yes. But Jenna, can you, um, can you share just a little bit? We're going to, we're going to end soon, but I kind of want to hear a little bit about what you're doing now with your title and, um, yeah, like what are some of your initiatives that you're doing or that you're involved in? So as Becca knows, I just finished my ending the silence. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. So for those who don't know, ending the silence training, well, ending the silence presentations are going to go into the schools. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'll talk about my lived experiences with mental illness and find just a good way to start the conversation with kids because Absolutely. they do understand a lot more than adults give them credit for. And mental illness does start so young whether they realize it or not. And so it's important to start those conversations young. 
Yes. Love that. I love it. I'm so excited that you're part of the team now. Yay. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> we all love ending the silence here. Yes. Big ending the silence fans. What else do you do, girl? I know you're involved with Peyton Hart and other things. Can you talk a little bit about Peyton Hart and what that is? Sure. So the Peyton Hart project is named after Peyton James. He was 13 years old when he died by suicide in 2014. So the Peyton Hearts are similar to Kindness Rock. Where these hearts are made out of fabric or yarn. They're so cute. I use ones that are made out of printed felt because I can't crochet or anything. My mother crochets (laughs) hearts for me, but I tried and I just made a blob. So that didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're similar to kindness rocks where they place them in public places for people to find. But each heart has two tags on it. The first heart has a tag with an inspiring message. And then on the back, it has the project information, social media information, website, et cetera. And then the second tag, which to me is the most important, is it has four different crisis lines on it. It has the National Suicide Prevention Line. It has the Crisis Text Line, the Trevor Project, the LGBTQ Youth, and the Veterans Crisis Line. So you place these hearts in public places for people to find. And people are encouraged to post when they find a heart on social media and the amount of stories that I've seen where someone's found a heart and they'd been really struggling that day and that heart wow. gave them kind of a more motivation to stay here or that things get better mm. is incredible wow. so that's kind of the point of that's the amazing. project is that the motto is that there are infinite reasons to be alive and there are reasons yes. So these hearts are kind of to remind people that there is reasons to be alive and that you do matter. So it wants to raise awareness for teen suicide and bullying and ending the stigma that surrounds mental illness by talking about these conversations and just inspiring people every day. Wow. Amazing. I love that so much. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. I have so many Peyton hearts just from various events and mm-hmm. things like that. And it's just been, it's been really cool to see the project in action and to be around that you know that energy and and that message so it's it's wonderful thank you for being an ambassador for that program I'm very happy to be able to do that I love making things so being able to make something that has such a good meaning and is so meaningful to me as a suicide attempt survivor is very important yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. you are you are a hero you are a hero for sure yes you are in so many ways, you are such a light to the community, and we are so incredibly grateful to have you on our podcast and to also just know you yeah. <laughs> and to know who you are <laughs> and to, to know your heart personally. Um, I wanted to wrap up a little bit, but if I wanted to ask you a question, Jenna, okay. because it's an important one that we ask all of our guests on mm-hmm. our podcast, and the question is, if you could tell your younger self one thing what would you tell her I'd probably tell myself that you aren't alone which of course is the podcast name but it is something that is so <laughs> true for me and why I share my story with others because I did think I was alone I didn't think anybody understood what I was going through and I know that that's not the case now and so being able to share my story with others helps me tell them that they're not alone in what they're going through and the amount of times that I would reach out to in person or social media that have said things along those lines that thank you for making me realize I wasn't alone. Thank you for helping me realize that there's other people going through the same things I go through is why I do what I do. Sharing your story Mm -hmm. can be tough for people. I'm kind of used to it now, but it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. But 
it's such a beneficial thing. Not only is it healing for you, but it's healing for others. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you for, for that. That was a good reminder that I, like I said, with, with Morgan last week or last episode, I would tell my younger self that same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. That is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted to, um, have you share with people how they can find you on social media what are your your handles where can we see what you're up to and all that stuff yes so my instagram is miss liberty bell 2019 and then my facebook is under the same name miss liberty bell 2019 and then i also recently created a website to kind of have more of my resources that I've created in one spot and help people be able to find that more. Mm -hmm. So that website, it's kind of long. It's sites.google.com slash view slash Miss Liberty Bell. So it's kind of long, but (laughs) I do have a lot of resources up there and all of my interviews, podcasts like this one will be linked there so people can find them as well. Awesome. And we'll put that in the notes for the podcast as well. So people can find them there. Perfect. I can't Yay. wait for everyone to be able to hear this. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. Yeah, yes. it's going to be awesome. And I, um, before we end fully, we do have <clears throat> people who call or who like give us questions and things like that mm-hmm. for us to answer on the podcast. And we only have a few minutes left, but the, we did get a question okay. and it's, it's a simple question that I think we all can answer together. Um, and the question is, I have a friend who's really struggling with her mental health. I think, mm-hmm. um, how can I be a good friend and help her through this hard time? Wow. I yeah. think that <laughs> one of the most important things on how to help a friend is to listen to them and let them know that you understand without being judgmental it's so important to take your friends seriously when they do open up that they're struggling and especially something that's happened with younger kids is making sure you're not turning what they've told you in confidence into gossip Mm. because that really just ruins that friendship and that connection and the trust that they've established so really just being there for your friend and supporting them is so important also, something I that. that I I find to be important is like, um, for me, like a lot of people in my life, like I have a lot of fixers, people who want to just fix the situation, mm-hmm. you know, and tell you what to do to be better <laughs> or get better. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is a lot of times what you just said, the most important thing is just to listen and say, I'm sorry that yeah. you're feeling this way. Like, mm-hmm. what can I do to help? Or I'm I'm here if you need me. I'm here to listen. You know, not like, oh, well, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, don't should all over yourself, as some might say. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I I think that's really important as well. That is. Mm -hmm. Morgan, do you have any tips for how to help a friend if they're going through a hard time? I think I think something huge is helping by talking to or helping them access resources yes Mm -hmm. yeah and I feel as if you know like and a lot of the times um I think people are afraid that their friends are going to be mad at them especially um Mm -hmm. people that are like are in high school or they're they're afraid 
that if they tell like the school guidance counselor that their friend is struggling, that their friend, afraid the friend's going to be mad. And I think a, a good mantra to live by is I'd rather lose a friendship than a friend. Yes. yes. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I say the same thing when I do the presentations is like, it's better to have a mad friend than to have, you know, to lose that friend. friend that's no longer, yeah, yeah. Friend that's no longer here. Cause that, you know, they can, I mean, I had a situation when I was in high school where my best friend told me that she wanted to take her own life and, um, she told me not to tell anyone and I did. And, you know, she was really mad at me for a while. You know, I mean, that's going to happen. You know, we don't want to yeah. lie here, but like, that's gonna, that's gonna happen. They're going to be mad, but she got over it. We're still best friends today. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I had the same exact experience in high school mm-hmm. with friends struggling like that and reaching out to professionals at the school. And they do get mad. But like you said, it's better to have that than to lose a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love that. And I think that that's a really important message to end on, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, to to reach out, reach out if you if you yourself are struggling or if you see a friend that is going through a hard time to help that person get connected or get connected yourself, be there, listen actively um and just be a be a good human be a good friend (laughs) yeah um because you really never know you know what even just a simple check-in like a text or a smile or an invitation to coffee Mm -hmm. or something might might do for someone right so Mm -hmm. be a good human is the message (laughs) for the day (laughs) also don't think that you know everything that's another thing like there are people you know there are people who might be able to help better than you can. You know, I, when I was a teenager, I thought I knew everything, but (laughs) there's people that, you know, might need to be brought in. So. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, again, Jenna, we love you. Totally. (laughs) Love you so much. (laughs) And we're so inspired by your story and your advocacy. And we hope that you can continue even, you know, during and after your title to be an advocate for mental health and to just continue to like, you just, I feel like throw sparkles on everyone around you. <laughs> I and try. Not all heroes wear capes, but some wear crowns. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yes, I like that. that. And we, we are so grateful to have you today. Yes. So, Again, have a happy, happy rest of your day. And that's it. We love you. Love you. Love you guys, too. So happy to be able to be working with you. Yes, us, too. Awesome. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. See you next time. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 or you can text NAMI to the crisis text line at 741-741 or go to NAMI.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.